0: Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are going to talk about Season 2, Episode 3, titled Off-Ramp. Not entirely sure I understand the actual name of this episode, other than how it might relate to the cult uh, of the GR, but I feel like there should be more than that. Off-Ramp. She wasn't on an off-ramp when she goes mowing down the GR, But
1: isn't that where Meg... Wasn't it on an off ramp that where she did her uh, business with them?
0: I don't know. I kind of got know. the
1: it's hard to tell because it was all blurry. It's in and, a truck, but yeah, they did a lot of interesting shots with blur where things slowly came into focus.
0: Yeah, it had me uneasy at points. Like, I don't enjoy watching this extremely blurred shot of this woman and this man doing things in the background. In sure. Man. Like,
1: but they yeah. did that deliberately blocked, like the same way with yeah. uh, Lori working on her book with Susan in the background. And, if, you know, of course, obviously, they this is to preserve a mystery, but they opened the door on Tommy and his eyes hadn't adjusted. And yeah, artistically. you see walking towards her, it's Meg. But the other two were a little bit. Yeah, I feel like they wanted us to feel visually the frustration of not having all of the information you need to decide on things. And not having clarity. Like, yet. I don't know what she thinks because she's all blurry. And I don't know what she's thinking when Lori's writing this book because she's all blurry. And um, I don't know. Yeah, it did. It that a deliberate choice or that an me. arty
0: choice? Uh, it might have been a deliberate choice. If it was, kudos, because it did frustrate me. I, I don't like seeing blurred images. So, so what did you think of this episode? I thought this episode was amazing. I thought this was easily up there with the other two, if not better. Wow. So and I, I and I don't even... I Going into this, I would have said, really? An episode about Laurie and Tommy? I don't care. I don't want to see it. And then halfway through this thing, I'm like, okay. Yep. I will say that, yeah, I was kind of like,
1: fuck Laurie after last yeah. season. And after stuff with Jill and the Burning House and all the things with Mapleton. And I was sort of surprised that she was not with the Guilty
0: Remnant. Me too. Uh, but, but I guess that moment... You know, when Jill's in the house and she realizes what she's done and she yells, Jill, that's the moment of her breaking away.
1: Yeah, and kind there's a lot to unpack about her particular, but I <laughs> oh, I yeah. will say that, like, for me, I immediately got excited seeing her buy all the Nicorette and set out the cots. And when uh, I realized that she's now working as a culty programmer, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I'm kind of invested. Yeah. Um, And I almost forgot, like, all the reasons that I hated her last season and why, Mm -hmm. you know, legit reasons why her daughter hates her and her ex-husband hates her and, and all those things. But, yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I wonder if I'd have liked it more if I had seen it before I talked to you about it. Because you built it up in my mind so much that I was really ready for... Really? Okay. Yeah, some... All I
0: said was, holy shit, leftovers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, we talked a little bit over lunch yesterday about how uh, you thought that Lindelof and Perota had really captured some yeah. particular f- cult feelings, which I kind of am puzzled by what you meant by that.
0: I I think the character of Lori is 100% understandable. Okay. Now. Like before I was angry at her, like why why are you doing the things you're doing? none of this makes sense, lady. You've abandoned your family, you didn't really I, I mean after another episode with them, we really haven't discovered the loss that they suffered, right it yeah. was it was more just this general feeling of loss with Lori uh-huh uh we've speculated on all sorts of stuff, but I never quite understood what she was doing uh but I totally understand the aftermath of it, okay, having been in a similar situation, okay. Well,
1: let's talk about that here in a bit. Um, okay. So I've organized my notes by character, as I want to do, and there's only two in this episode, pretty much, Lori and Tom. And yeah. I want to talk about stuff with Lori first. Uh, first of all, I want to shout out the musical choices. <laughs> Having that drum duel be behind all of Lori's scenes I thought was brilliant because it worked mm-hmm. when she was, like, you know, stable, moving on with my life, Lori writing this book, helping people with the cult. And it worked when she is kind of unhinged Lori, worried that she's lost her book, stealing her laptop back from her evil landlord. And then they had the slightly different musical cue, and she's mowing over... Oh, yeah. The, you know, like her triumph music was yeah, the same puts on music rock, as yeah. I'm running over guilty mem- remnant members without even batting an eye. Uh, the yeah, musical choices... Uh, you haven't seen Fargo yet. No. But th- these two shows, they take already superior material, material and with their musical choices, just elevate it. Yeah.
0: Like they just take the emotional floodgates and <clears throat> have them wide open. I was kind of hoping that would, this would be ridiculous and it'd be so avant-garde that it was terrible. Uh, but I was kind of hoping it would go on for the whole hour. And it did <laughs> pretty much. no, no, I mean like oh, oh, solid constant, the, the drums go into a quiet scene, going back sure. to the drums. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I want to talk about Laurie's book.
1: Because there seemed to be a lot of motivations behind there. Uh One was that this was going to save the world from the guilty remnant. This is yeah. the tell-all that bring was going down. to bring him down. And they, they and I identify with wanting to bring down uh, an evil cult in your mind. Yeah. Um But also it seemed like she was a little desperate to restart her old life as much as possible, exactly how it used to be. Like, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to get a bunch of money, and I'm going to start this institute, and I'm going to uh, be a psychologist, a psychiatrist again, and I'm going to save these people.
0: And that was kind of what she did in her old life. Yeah. Yeah, we know she was a psychiatrist or psychologist or something before this. Uh, I, I don't know. her. She clearly has a singular mission here, which is take down the guilty remnant. But she's which... also still incredibly damaged. Oh, like yeah. This this Even behavior, though she's in denial about it, too. And a that, lot of this behavior
1: seemed like it was masking some of her crazy behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In
0: denial. Are you kidding me? Completely. Uh, and, and that's so I wonder, like, how much of this is like, oh, we specifically know what it's like to be uh, coming out of this cult and and feeling like your world's crumbling around you versus like how much of this is really just the standard stages of grief, you know? Mm hmm. Like, how much of this is the denial and the anger and all all of the stages uh, that just kind of apply to everything?
1: So this cult support group, though, we see isn't all sunshine and roses. Number one, we see the guilty remnant interrupt the session, which does that imply that they have infiltrated her group to some point in the same way that Lori has infiltrated their group? I don't think so. I, I think they're there. They just followed someone for, there for fear. Yeah, they're they're there. But with, how did with they the find? Like mechanism. someone said, how did they find this? And she's like, it doesn't matter. They're cowards. But I'm like, no, seriously, how did they find you?
0: They might have followed her. I don't know. But because they, I mean, they obviously knew where she lived before, right? Like, but they, they could yeah. But she's she's living in a new apartment.
1: I mean, everything's yeah. new about her, and this facility's new, and she's it's it's a commercial space. I just wonder if there isn't. I mean, the guilty remnant seemed like incredibly organized in a way that both I thought it was, I thought Tom, it's natural for him to write off the, you know, threat of the guilty remnant. Ah, pfft, they don't talk to each other. They don't even talk. Period. Blah blah blah. But we know that Loria at least was aware that this place was capable of shocking levels of organization and research and patient, mm-hmm. painstaking detail to get your balls in a vice and then they start squeezing. Yeah, so like I get that he was cocky about it, but I thought that they really downplayed the fear that, you know, and the danger he was in until it was kind of too late.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, I I don't know. So much other interesting stuff was going on that I wasn't thinking about that. Sure. It was it was like. So the attention that they're paying to kind of their world building here is really interesting. With Laurie having these money troubles, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, we know she gave away—that's the thing—her half a divorce
1: to the Guilty Remnant. And
0: not only did she, so so it's nefarious too. It's like she gave away her money. All these people that she's bringing into her organization have already given all their money and all their possessions to the Guilty Remnant. It's. It makes you question, like, what is the Guilty Remnant's actual goal? Are they trying to provide them with something here? Like, Laurie, the conclusion Laurie comes to at the end? Or are they trying to gain their money? Like, what is what is the remnant, actual end goal?
1: I think Guilty Remnant have, they are true believers, I think. I don't I think they're so. going to find it, that there's some kind of cynical cash grab later on.
0: Yeah, but that, that's a nice little wrinkle, the idea that she doesn't have any money they don't have any money although
1: as this here's what happens a lot with cults Uh uh, although it's kind of inverted in the scientology model but a lot of times you'll have the first couple generations sincere true believers then cynical opportunists come in later to take advantage and i wonder as if this you know we've talked about this this season if this manages to go four and five seasons would that be interesting to see a new guard of guilty remnant who are just openly fleecing the flock and taking advantage of this essentially slave labor.
0: Yeah. All of these are amazing questions, especially when paired with the ending of this episode. Yeah. Uh, But there, there are other little subtle hints in here. Like departure insurance is fucked up. No, I have that as as a random thing to talk about. Like
1: that is some high class scam.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is because if it never
1: happens again, uh, you are printing money Mm -hmm. and if it happens again, you could probably instantly go bankrupt. Yeah. You know, and yeah, like just this, the raw cynicism. Yeah. And I also want to talk about this like for, so another, another foe that she's got in her fight against the cult and her support for her support group is Victor, the landlord.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he's a sleazy,
1: slimy, almost post-departure. Like we've never met anyone like this what, on the it, depart that's so cynical and yeah. and kind of venal and just money grubbing asshole. But he also has a point. Like Lori in her in her quest to do good, is taking advantage of people. She's essentially uh, stealing dresses from a high-end bo- boutique place. Which I had a big mm. debate with Cecily. Last night in which I... About I think, returning I think, I, I, think I, re, I think I just uh, realized that Cecily uh, might be at least thief-sympathetic when it comes to stealing. <laughs> because well, it, I'm like, stances. she's like, what's That's borrowing? Fine. And then you're going to return it later, and you've got the receipt, and it's the policy. But I'm like, ah, yes, but the measure of morality is if everyone acted in that way, is it sustainable? And she's like, shut up, it's not stealing. So <laughs> I... <laughs> no, just kidding. But I she's doing that. She's also taking advantage because this guy say, Hey, this is a commercial place. Mm-hmm. Like everything's metered on the fact that you're going to come here at eight. You're going to leave around five. You're not going to be sleeping here. You're not going to be shitting in the toilets past that time. Like we've got, I need to charge you more money. All this stuff is reasonable. Now yeah. him keeping her laptop and all that stuff kind of sleazy, but yeah, it is. There's a little parallel construction there with the, the book executives. Okay. Like those are they all seem like post or uh, pre-departure archetypes of like mm. like evil cow like we these people seem like the departure didn't affect them at all. Yeah. Like they're exactly the same type of people that you'd see in our day. And
0: I think that's I mean, it, it interesting. might just be that they I, I can imagine a person who is only concerned with themselves and money uh and you know, physical possessions. Before the departure, not being very affected by that, right? If they don't depart themselves, they don't give a fuck. Well, that's what I thought. Like,
1: is being a selfish asshole and like myopic and having no empathy is that proof against the you know departure anxiety, or
0: well, were these
1: relatively normal people that became even more calculating and almost cartoonish villain mm-hmm. as a
0: result so of the departure? So the interesting thing is there were two previous books, both on the subject of the departure, right? Like they see this as a huge cash in. Like everyone wants to read about the departure, we're gonna. We're well, but gonna...
1: but th- what's next? I think is an actual book.
0: Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but then they had the there's, other there's book another that's, that's, that's s- another dimension. I thought that they departure. used
1: that to. Um, Maybe it is. Yeah, but yeah, I I thought so. I thought that was like some kind of. But there
0: is one that that they're like, oh yeah, this other guy wrote about the departure too. Yeah. So, so you can see there's a little bit of cash in there, uh-huh. uh, and using the departure kind of like the insurance company, right, uh, to sell more books. Uh, but yeah, and a lot of, also a lot of
1: things, the reason, so there's also this background thread of the reason Lori is in some of these predicaments is her own damn fault. Yes. Which, my interpretation of the end of the book scene is entirely that. Like some, I, I know I saw a little bit of the feedback, a little bit of forum traffic that this was dealing with this guy's tone deaf questioning and like he's talking to a person oh. that's 100% healed and okay no, no. and she just like i can't believe you're in kind of the same way when you see sometimes a reporter ask well how did that make you feel oh how did i feel when i saw my daughter torn apart by wolves well yeah. it felt great like that's kind of insensitive but i thought it's kind of like her realization is oh shit This is all my fault, and I haven't – I've put all this blame on this cult and being manipulated and all that. And that's – that does feel pretty true to life, a a realization once you get out of something like that that, oh, my God. Like, if nothing else, I've wasted so much time in my life on this bullshit.
0: You're going to feel ashamed. You're going to feel angry. Uh, She's going to feel – taken advantage Take of, advantage of and, yep. and that's
1: without you almost murdering
0: your daughter and yourself yeah, yeah. that's and just giving up a
1: career and family
0: and it's and also opportunity. it's also insulting right because he's he's also talking about these guilty remnant like they're just fucking cuckoo like these people are lunatics and you yeah. would be insane to ever fall in line with them and he's talking, talking to, to a, a woman who was part of person. that yes and knows that that's not the case yes she was vulnerable maybe she was taken advantage of but she wasn't insane Right, and she was doing the thing she was doing because that's where she was. Yes, in her life, and so like that's also super insulting to her. Mm-hmm. So she, she's angry about that. She's angry about the realization. Oh my God, yes, you're right. Also, that I did almost kill my daughter, and that uh, is me. In fact, yeah, uh, that's th- why. There's so like the nuance with which they approached this subject, yeah. is what impressed me so much.
1: There was, a, yeah, because you could. There's a lot of
0: cover, and I, I
1: don't think it's all one thing. I think all those theories are correct and to add it up into one
0: just emotional meltdown. And that's the thing I like that they're doing with the larger departure too, right? The thing they've done so well is not everybody's going to react the same. Yep. Not everybody's going to feel the same thing afterward. You will have the cynics. You will have the people who are looking to take advantage of others, the people who can't deal with this life anymore. Like, uh, what's her name in this episode who kills herself and her family? Uh, You'll have all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. And different reactions. I think they've done a hell of a job portraying that. And also, like,
1: just because you see someone giving a certain reaction, that doesn't necessarily mean that's their ultimate emotional state. That's also true. Because you're also dealing with people that are self-deluding themselves. And like, I'm a strong person. This isn't affecting me. And then you're going to be crying like a baby two episodes from now. Yeah. That's the other thing. And, And it never feels like we're being cheated or it's out of character. It always feels like, yes, I mean... It's an amazing cloak because I feel like Lindelof can keep (laughs) saying, well, in this universe, anything can happen. Uh And that feels, I I wrote on the forums that this show feels like it should be infuriating because uh, once again, we're not we're not, I'm not ready to talk about this, but they do this thing where they give you two possibilities. There's a supernatural or rational thing, and you can make a good argument for both, but we're not going to come down to any one side. Yeah. How long can they keep doing things like that and it's still but it's so damn it fascinating. Works so well. Yeah. And it has some essential
0: truth I feel like about the human condition that yep. I yep. love it. And they set it up so well too, right? It's not like it's not like we knew 100% Lori's motivations uh but now we start to understand them a lot more. So what did you think
1: about her Jack and her laptop back? Are we do we think we're going to see more of Victor because I felt like they're setting him up as almost a big bad, but no, I could no, also no, I don't see think so. like she just ran to his house, stole her laptop back, which he, I mean, he'd have to go pretty good fellas mm-hmm. or sopranos to take it to the next level here. Cause what she did is she stole back her rightful property. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, plus also
1: I Lori, I get it. You were in a cult for the last two years, but back your shit up, man or just use use google docs yeah you don't
0: write in the cloud lady come on
1: like even i like tom was like damn it mom didn't you email like email your stuff but i guess that's something like my dad would do sure um what do you think about and and also i like that just as we i thought we were going to get a chance to bask in her victory like just the sheer pleasure of her plan going off like walter white style fucking guilty remnant and she mows them down
0: that she's she's in the ultimate game of chicken here right like this is not just a physical game of chicken where they're going to move why or did she think die. they would
1: jump out of the way she wouldn't have and she has to know that
0: right is this Maybe a, she like would've. she's in denial about how i mean she's testing their conviction right so like is she, she or just is she can't getting believe revenge
1: against them she, she's i i feel she's like she's chipping
0: them. away she's trying to look for the weakness in their psyche and like do these people actually believe this deeply that they're they're willing to just get mowed down time and time again Well, i I, I feel like that's not the first time she's done it and it's also interesting to
1: see the various levels of committal here like gladys yeah we know when she was tied to the tree begged for her life like sure in her last moment they took away her agency she didn't want to die yeah uh lori apparently um maybe if it's just her she would have but with uh, her and jill she managed to You know, as as the asshole exec brilliantly put it, like, you know, managed to run out screaming. First word she'd said to her husband was just was pretty powerful how they they did that. Yeah. Uh, But then we also have Patty stabbing herself in the neck. There you go. (laughs) And and Meg is gone full hardcore. Yeah. Now, too, Uh, which we'll get to in the Tommy section. Sure. So we talk about how they mostly play these emotional moments right. I completely disagree with this next thing we're going to talk about, which is Tommy meeting Jill at the cafe. We get from Lori's perspective that Lori is actually the way they played it. I thought Lori was still guilty remnant and kind of me too. shutting out Jill. This we find out that Lori desperately wants Jill's forgiveness and a reconnector. But. That look where she just gets, she just gives her this blank eyed stare, meets her daughter's eyes, and then just kind of looks away like she means nothing. That was not right emotionally, or
0: yeah, I sub- you can't. Like I to me, there was that. not
1: ambiguity where you could read two things into that. Hmm. Um, because if if Lori had never made eye contact. You could be forgiven to be like, well, maybe she didn't see Jill or there's a reflection there. But the way they filmed that was very clear that they had a connection and Laurie like almost admit nothing to her. And that's a clear impression I got. And now I find out this other and I just feel like that there that didn't work.
0: She's I mean, she's trying to give her her space, obviously. Right. Like Jill hasn't forgiven her. probably won't. Maybe never. Uh, And. I guess in a weird way, Lori's trying to respect that and just say, look, if I try and push the issue, then she's not going to ever want to speak with me. Maybe if I give her some time to simmer down. But she's also work it out. like but, Tom's lying to her about whether she took the note and she's
1: not respecting what Tom's saying about, look, I know Jill's not ready for this.
0: She did. I think she did take the note eventually. Like She, she ripped took, the note in half. Yeah, but she took the pieces of the note. He shoves the pieces back at her. Hmm. And just kind of leaves it there. So I I don't know. Maybe she doesn't take the note, but it seemed like she did.
1: I wonder if we'll see Jill read it. It's going to be scotch taped together and we'll see her read it later on. Probably. I don't know. Uh, The other minor false note that I've got about Lori uh, is that I thought she seemed fairly oddly uncaring about the whole meeting with Meg. Like her 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 <laughs> son comes home and says, "Who's this Meg?" And she's like, "Oh, she's someone I knew from Mapleton." But I've almost got this book ready. You know, we're winning, and he's yeah. he starts talking about they make sense. They know something which should scare the shit out of her. <laughs> but I man, I don't know. Like I felt like the natural thing is what happened with Meg. No, you have to tell me. But she went from like okay, tell me about Meg. And he started talking crazy. And then she chased him into his room saying, this book is what is going to make us win. And it's the thing that's mm-hmm. working. And, you know, we know that falls to shit, but I thought that wasn't quite consistent with her. What'd yeah, maybe
0: not. Uh, I I would expect a, little, a few more questions, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. By the, By the end, I guess it served its purpose where, you know, she's realized that the thing that Tommy sees in these people is that they're giving him something. Whereas, so far, their movement has given these people nothing. Yeah, to replace kind of all the, the pain they feel. Um, so they they try and give them something, which I think is su- super interesting at the end of this. But we'll talk about it. Uh, uh, so, some other stuff. I do, I do want to talk about Susan and her family. I, I was about bit.
1: to move on to Susan because okay. man, when they got the, when when we first see her in the super blue filter, uh, guilty remnant house, her eyes. Yeah were like popping out of her head like white walker blue from huh. game of thrones i okay. thought that was pretty amazing i instantly you know windows are the eyes are the windows and the soul i instantly connected with this woman
0: huh all right
1: and i thought like the most powerful thing for this season to me was when she first came home back to her family and her little boy saw her and ran across the yard yeah uh, i've had some near runs this season but that's the first what first first <laughs> thing that made me leak Oh, uh, okay. Uh, my my eye right. lubricant started to malfunction. And just because, just, and the first time it was sad, but the second time I watched this show, it fucking destroyed me because I now know, and this uh, little boy is so happy to get his mom back. And oh, Jesus Christ. It's literally like the snake crawling across the baby. Like, no, kid, <laughs> it don't. Is. It's, yeah. Oh, Jesus. and so, I, would,
0: I mean, the most poignant question there is what if I can't, right? What if I can't reintegrate? Into a, a real life. What if I can't get over this this tragedy? And I, don't, I don't know what the departure did to her. I don't know what they had taken away. Does it say that no. they lose like a son or no, they, they a never daughter or no. something? Like, and Lori okay. didn't.
1: I mean, we well, she lost. She miscarried or got her fetus raptured, I guess we think maybe we think. Although yeah. weird, there's also a theory that I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't want to the theories, but. but
0: but they don't tell us on this lady. But we get the impression that. Something horrible has happened that caused her to go to sure. the guilty remnant. And this idea that what if I can't reintegrate? And obviously she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can you can kind of feel it coming the whole time. Oh, like yeah. she's sitting on this couch when, when Lori is trying to reintroduce her to her husband and reassure her husband that she's not gonna leave again. She's good, she's better now. They're talking about her right in front of her, mm-hmm. which seems fucked up to me. Uh he he's like what is the question? He I thought asked Lori her?
1: comes across as a shitty therapist and everything I've ever seen her in.
0: Like her husband asked, D- like, did she ever talk about it? Here's what I've well, seen her do: just, just as fucking turn to her and ask her.
1: Yeah, here's what I've seen her as a, th- as a therapist: give empty assurances that she has no ability to. Yeah, and also get wrapped up in a cult that one of your crazy, uh, yeah. unstable patients started. You're batting zero as a therapist, from what I can tell, Lori. Indeed,
0: but and I, I just don't think she. Like, she should have seen this. Yeah. This woman was so detached from her family just sitting yeah. there on the couch. Like, I don't know what's going on there. I feel lucky
1: that I exited the my cult on intellectual terms. Yeah. Like, I had decided it was all hooey, and then I didn't conspire to get myself thrown out um, and excommunicated. But I've yeah. seen a lot of our former friends who got thrown out because they're just teenagers having sex and drinking and doing stupid stuff. And they never came to, like, a mental or emotional rejection or, to have horrible problems as adults. Like, I oh, just yeah. six months ago got Facebook messaged someone that has been out for a decade or more terrified because, like, you know, the Ebola was happening, Syria is happening, and, like, what if Armageddon's wow. right? And I'm scared. And, like, what? You know, it's like if you're living with this shadow of your life the whole time, it's like... This is a perfect example of a person who got out but was still mentally in. Yeah. Uh and wasn't able to to reintegrate for that reason because and I felt like that Lori was that was a lot of her fault. She should have seen that she was not yeah. ready for this and instead of pushing and being like, Oh, it's okay and it'll be fine. Well, help her realize what all happened to her. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I I think Lori is ill equipped to do that because she's in a similar position. Yeah, Like, she made kind of an emotional disconnect, a very emotional, well, she, traumatic sure. decision, but she never had the opportunity to sit down and say, here's why I feel this no, way, yeah. and here's what I'm, I need to do about it, and, I, like, the change was forced upon her, right? Yeah. And I don't feel like she has come to terms with that at all. And I felt that was
1: very clear, like, uh, so I think that, so Susan almost wants her family to hate her. Like, she wants to feel like she deserves... This guilty remnant life, like her, mm. her emotions and her human yeah. nature is rebelling against the unnaturalness of this life. But mentally, she feels like she deserves it, and maybe if her family hated her, uh, or she she felt like she deserved it. And I felt like that because Su- Lori is this, you know, again strong, recovered, professional woman moving ahead with her life. That we're supposed to get a little bit of insight into Lori's emotional state through the lens of Susan. Oh, because, yeah. like, when Susan says, you know, I'm angry, I want them to be angry like you, and Lori's like, <laughs> me, angry? Yeah. Clearly is a lie. Obviously. I <laughs> felt like, actually, that's where she lost Susan. When Susan, she lied to her. Re- When Susan realized, oh, oh, I see, this group is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, that's where things kind of, because I felt like she was getting healthier and healthier and that mm-hmm. one point where Lori could have been real with her but she's kept to the therapist code of never talking about herself or whatever. And it blew up in her face. Sure. Um, and I felt like she needed an honest connection and she didn't get it. And so that's the other thing that I want to talk about. I want to keep this in mind for when we talk about the Holy Wayne turn at the end, I felt really bad and I get a very, very bad feeling about replacing some one bullshit cult teaching with another. <laughs> like the logical efficacy of replacing one delusion with a benign delusion is yeah. very dubious to me. Very, sure. to me, I feel very uncomfortable, but then you could debate about whether it is in fact, that's the thing. Delusional. I, do,
0: do we want to talk about it right now? No, no okay. I, don't, I don't. All right. Well then keep that uh, question in mind. So,
1: so a little Easter egg with Susan. Did you notice her little boy when she was in the, you know, the all white home scene, uh, that, that he was watching a Wiley Coyote cartoon. No. And this particular one's like the many times where Wiley Coyote runs off a cliff and he doesn't actually fall until he looks down and he holds up a sign. And I thought that was a really clever commentary hmm. on Susan, like just two second cartoon commentary on Susan's relationship with the Guilty Remnant. Like she's running and running, but until she actually looks down, she's fine. And then the holding up the sign, that's a whole Guilty Remnant thing. Huh. Okay. Um, why did any day now? That kind of, like, so that's one thing in my experience of being in our cult is that's how one of the ways that they kept control over you is that literally tomorrow is when it's going to happen. Fear. Yeah. And it's always tomorrow. Sure. Whether tomorrow was it's 80 years today. ago or five years ago or last month, it's always just around the corner. Just around the corner. Sure. It's a control mechanism. Um, But do you think that that's what, that that landed on her, that she was terrified that there's going to be another? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know how that fit in with her. Like that's that's a very yeah. you know and also like when we see the life of the guilty remnant, how they're everyone's just going around doing menial tasks and cleaning and packing these things. It's like you just kept so busy. Yep. You don't have time Keep to your reflect. Mind
0: off of what's going on. And yeah. you can't
1: have a you can't have a watch because that, you know, might take
0: your that's that's a connection to the corporal world. And, and it doesn't look like you can have a real dialogue with anyone. And I know, yeah, obviously they don't speak aloud, but in any form, right? Yeah. Like, I, I kept seeing people side-eye Tommy when he would go up and talk to someone individually.
1: Well, and I wonder if that – so I don't know how much of There this are two is, layers. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> because, like – so another cult technique is love bombing. Like, sure. when you show up, no matter what your state is or whether you what clothes you're wearing, that they're going to just be, oh, thank you for coming. We're so happy to Make see you. Make you feel like you belong, yeah. Make you feel like you belong. And we saw a little bit in season one where Patty gave uh, not Jill, uh, Meg a warm welcome. And then she kind of got maybe the good cop, bad cop with Lori. Uh But there was still some of that little bit of love bombing. And like, you know, it seemed like that Patty, when part of her grooming process with Lori was to give her a little extra love and attention. But... With Tom, so are we supposed to understand that now the guilty remnant's adapting the tactics because now they know that there are wolves among them and they're being more confrontational and like the op- I think so. I hate yeah. bombing a new recruit. Like I don't give a shit. You know, you can wear the white shit or not. Whatever. Um Is that a result of Tommy's and, oh, and Lori's maybe. antics, or is this just different strokes for different branches of the GR?
0: No, I think it was in response. I mean, the fact that that basically they have a plan, right? They're going to take him. They're gonna take Tommy, they're gonna contact Meg, like that's something they I get developed, the feeling yeah. That, that yeah, they heard about people leaving and they're like, Oh, I've there's this Tommy guy.
1: They have a cult intervention whistle now that they blow yeah. whenever I thought that was interesting. And how did so They've had that for a while, right? And so did they did they know that that they knew that was Tommy and they knew that was Lori's son. I think so. When did they make that connection?
0: Because I think it was after he took Susan. It must have been Right. But he took that other dude, too. Uh, Okay, after he took that guy then, yeah. So they
1: disseminated his picture. Why didn't they just grab him as soon as he walked in the door? Why did they wait until he did that to blow the whistle? Because it's almost like there's something a little loose in the plot here. And I didn't notice this Hmm. the first two times I watched it was actually when I was doing my notes. And I'm like, no, wait a second. He sidles up to her. She blows the whistle and they swing into motion. Why did they wait till that moment?
0: Maybe they are looking for the, the wolves you know the the infiltrating people and they don't meg know that it's knew who they don't tommy know that it's was. Tommy until after they take him maybe hmm. i don't know yeah i mean it's possible to concoct a, a backstory that makes sense Did, here i i vaguely remember that meg and tommy met last season uh, i don't remember
1: Maybe yeah, I wish I'd Because I actually went through And watched a couple of uh, Fast forwarded through HBO Go And watched a couple of episodes Because I wanted to check Tommy's timeline On yeah. some events and, and and some other things But yeah um,
0: So what else do We want to can talk, talk about Why does Why does Meg rape Tommy? Well And threaten uh, to set him on fire like, I can understand the setting what? him on fire But what's Like is it just a power play? What's going on here? I didn't understand this scene at all <sighs>
1: uh one more thing with laurie before we move on okay laurie's monologue um after you know so that's the other thing i didn't understand is like tommy seemed like he's really fucked up from these experiences with the gr and in the very next scene he's actually talking sense into his mom yeah yeah you yeah. know like maybe that's returning. maybe that's an emotional thing like because that's how we do with bald move like one of one of us is like this fucked this bullshit raid, right. the other one's like there to and well, whoa no. whoa be titus the, the time where we both show up in full fuck fuck this mode, but
0: as bad as Lori th- is at psychiatry or yeah. psychology, uh, maybe Tommy is better at it. Maybe Tommy has realized, oh, you know why I felt so good because they were giving me huh. a sense of belonging and a purpose. Whereas we're not doing that. Hey, mom, we should be doing that. Maybe so, he figured it out.
1: So know? this this is a little subplot on the whole Lori monologue about how you know he shouldn't share, but I'm going to share you my story. Does this imply that Patty is actually the progenitor of the whole guilty remnant movement? That she started it?
0: I don't remember that conversation exactly.
1: Because she said mentioned about how like I met with this woman and she said that some I feel like the world's going to end tomorrow. And then two weeks later, I saw her and she was wearing white and smoking. I, I felt like they were implying that Patty might be the great grand. It's possible of the whole movie yeah it's possible and i don't know what that means but mm-hmm. i just want to put that out there it's like is there
0: any evidence contra to that i don't think so no um i mean i could certainly come up with other ideas like oh well she just got swept up into it and laurie knew her by vicinity or whatever and okay so
1: let's talk right. about this thing with tom Did you want to talk about uh, we're All both right. com- so I, I saw some debate about whether you know this this happens anytime you have a rape on screen and it's comforting to know it happens when a man is the victim as as much sure. as does woman the, the, as it, it should was it rape yeah he had a boner obviously and it seemed like he might have been enjoying it towards the end so it can't possibly be rape it totally was totally rape yeah. totally rape you yeah. uh, like the absence of consent is the legal definition of rape. So whether he put up enough fight or whether he said, no, Meg, please don't do this. Also, a boner is a physiological reaction. Sure. You get a boner unconscious. I think we can all agree that you rape an unconscious man at the boner. That's clearly rape. And as far as whether he enjoyed it towards the end, I don't – you can't rape your way to consent. No. No, you can't. So, like, there's a lot of reasons why a person could – and the complicated feelings that could arise and – that's part of the whole guilt-shame concept, con, complex. Like, oh, I this might have felt good, and I I just got raped, and what does that mean about, say about me as a person? That's, you know, that that's what's one of the reasons why rape is so terrible. It
0: fucks you up mentally. Sure, sure. And Tommy's fucked up mentally enough.
1: So now, all
0: that out of the way. Yeah. Uh Why? Why, why? did she do it? I don't know, man. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, it's a mind fuck, right? Literally. I, I guess. But so is pouring gasoline on him and when he's half naked and lighting a cigarette next well, to him. Well, that's like... Which would probably set him on fire, by the way. It's not the gasoline that lights. It's the vapor from the gasoline. I've, I've,
1: I've played my share of gasoline in matches. Being it's... that
0: close, it's it's dangerous we'll just say that it's definitely <laughs> dangerous
1: and i don't know that meg cared if she set the guy on fire like that's the yeah, thing you have yeah. to be willing to set someone on fire if you're playing with gasoline and matches and i think she was willing to do that i think so can we dismiss because there's a theory that's sweeping the internet that meg somehow that this is
0: okay once once that there's a, tommy a baby, baby conceived out of this act that yeah. might
1: be i that's I re- real
0: fast real quick tommy is if that's the case.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I don't know because like part of it I read is that she, they were mid quatus and she interrupted it to make this b- of a bigger mindfuck. But maybe he did yeah, arrive. I so too. Um, here's the thing: hmm. I there's no I dismiss out of hand that she knew that he was the holy Wayne acolyte. Yeah. And he didn't know at that point. Yeah. Like I, I, there's some thing that like, this is a deliberate thing that she set this up and engineered this just to get pregnant with a Holy Wayne baby. Yeah. I, I can't believe that.
0: Uh, in fact, if that turns out
1: to be true, I'm going to be kind of disappointed.
0: So I, I'm disputing the fact. And I think, I think rightfully so, uh, that Tommy has any powers at all. Right. We, we know that his story is a lie. How do we know the that? previous season? He never got a hug from from Holy Wayne, did he?
1: Well, but he turned the, down the, the event that he's referring to.
0: No, uh, he's talking about his hot throbbing waves. I mean, he he tells these people that he got a hug from Holy Wayne. No, he didn't. Yeah. He says he got a hu- no, he got a hug. And at, when he wrapped his arms around him, like he says he wrapped his arms around him. We know that that didn't. But happen. That was
1: before he died. That was that was in the uh, presumably in the 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 truck stop restroom. Is how yeah that's that's where he got his hug.
0: We don't see that, do we? No, we
1: do not see that, but it's okay. not
0: inconsistent
1: of what we know. Um, all right, so we're, mm. let's, let's, we're all
0: right. We're just gonna
1: go ahead and talk about this. What the fuck? Um, so here's the possible. So, so we see Tom turning to Lil Wayne. Is Tommy for real? Is he sincere? If he's sincere, is he deluded? And if he's I'll not, if, if he's neither sincere. And, or diluted then what the hell is is his mother and his game? Because here's the here's and does the, it matter?
0: Does yeah, it matter sure. to these
1: people? Um, and so so here's a couple of evidences for it, this is a manufactured thing. We saw Tom going to sleep watching Holy Wayne videos of like his introduction. Maybe he was studying to yeah. like you know this has been there kind of in game all along, and this is this thing with Susan just accelerated it, and it didn't look like. I thought that maybe Lori would have a bigger problem with that if that she thought that this was him going back to his cult ways. But if this was a homework assignment, then that explains why she's kind of more nonchalant about him waking up and then going to the bottle of Jack. Um, Does Lori endorse the Holy Wayne act if it is an act because she's afraid for Tom? Him talking about the guilty remnant made sense, making sense and all that scared her so bad that she's ready to
0: do this kind of radical reaction to keep her son safe from the cult. Uh no, I think I think what he said about giving these people something made sense to her in a in a way that they they then concocted. My my perception of the timeline here is Laurie was trying her damnedest to write this book thinking it would blow the whole thing wide open. Yeah. Tommy was serious about oh, we're missing something that the guilty remnant's giving us. Uh I figured it out and now I can concoct this story that I don't think ever happened. Uh I certainly don't think he has any powers. Uh, that are that are mystical or supernatural. Uh, I think he is creating a placebo effect in these people the same way that I think Holy Wayne was. I don't think Holy Wayne had any powers. I think the acceptance from someone the the reassurance from someone of those hugs is what was doing it, the placebo effect. Okay. So I I think that's the timeline like but here's Tommy the thing. came up with this idea, Lori realizes, "Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it."
1: So the other thing about this timeline, I went back, as he said, in in this in this restroom, I looked up and said, help. And 10 seconds later, Wayne walked in the door. If you watch the episode after the girl abandons the baby, he screams for her and runs out into the streets. And this takes place immediately after the exchange he has with this gentleman who stopped off this bus as a part of an evangelical moment and offered him help. So. It's possible that Tommy's he's, misremembering that sequence of events and getting it all blurred in his head. It's also possible he's embellishing it. it's yeah. also possible that he walked back into the bathroom completely lost and then Wayne appeared to him. Now, mm-hmm. the spatial stuff lines up because literally the day after Tom had this meeting with him, Wayne died yeah. with Kevin. The other thing that states that maybe Wayne has got real powers is that little exchange he had with Kevin at the end where he could get grant a wish. Like, we don't know what that was, meant and what that, what Tommy
0: was like in Texas at the time or something. He, no,
1: they were on the way back to Mapleton. So I think that the geography lines up got, fairly but... damn close. Cause the next day Tommy was in town.
0: Yeah. He arrives on the bus. Sure.
1: So I, I, think that the the timeline would line up Mm. but i know that literally the story he told cannot be true because i saw him run out at screaming into the night and little Wayne, (laughs) yeah yeah and then holy wayne rather uh (laughs) didn't happen now here's another piece of evidence that this that he sincerely believes he has powers he made up a bullshit excuse to not hug jill he said i was sick yeah he's not sick we know for a fact he's not sick yeah So this throws a little doubt of like, maybe he's deluded, but why wouldn't he hug his sister unless he had a germ of the idea that he's got this special power?
0: Hmm. So maybe he himself believes it
1: and his mom, maybe he does. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you know, even at the end, Wayne kind of had some self doubt. Like he had his, you know, sure. Uh, Christ and get moment where he's, you know, saying, Hey, let this cut pass. (laughs) Uh Uh, My guts are all torn up. Don't want to die. I think I'm (laughs) a fraud. Uh, I, th- there again, that- this show walks this tightrope so well, it should be infuriating, but for some reason it's not.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the commentary like, uh religion and specifically cults and healing and forgiveness and all this stuff, like, this, in my opinion, this is brilliant. Like, it doesn't matter necessarily whether he's a charlatan or not, right? No, because it's... Maybe he's giving these people the thing that they need, even if he has no powers.
1: And that's... I don't accept that. I reject
0: that as a valid course of action. But I could see someone doing it and I could see it working on someone like if they truly believe that they've been saved or forgiven or have, what about have this? something in doubt on them. I believe it would
1: work. Here's a really cynical take I had. Hmm. What if his mom and him are setting these people up to later brutally rip it away from them? Like you got fooled a second time, motherfuckers
0: oh that's just cruel you're some
1: credulous fucks so you need to get with the pro like that's like a like a tough love uh-huh
0: good cop bad cop
1: yeah like tommy with the hugs laurie yeah the cold turkey Jack cult boot treatment. like yeah look you fell into <laughs> another cult dumbass jesus there's shades like that because when i'm watching this i i thought a lot about the holy smoke movie we watched over the summer uh-huh. and how like the cult programmer got kind of fell and started a new cult about the girl he was in and how she that relationship got all complicated and fucking weird. Yeah. Like, I, that could be, like, a bait and switch. Like, Jesus, you people believe in anything, and here's the proof. I just made up some bullshit story that's not true, and you thought you are getting magic
0: hugs. So what does that do to these people? It, what, like, whole re- like boots them, like, into they, rationality. They have a realization, oh, you're right, my god, I need to toughen up. I I mean, it's
1: possible. It's just as... I think it's, it's a crazy plan along the lines of supplanting some... Like, that's a hell of a cult deprogramming technique to program them into another uh, cult. The other thing, evidence, this isn't really evidence either way, is what did you think about Tom's performance of this story? I felt felt it was very stagey. Oh, it was. But there's two possibilities. Number one, Tom the guy playing Tom, Chris, what's him? Okay. whatever his name is. Uh, he could be not just as good as an actor at this kind of thing as the Holy Wayne guy is. Uh, cause every time the Holy Wayne guy talked, like I was kind of a believer. Um, in fact, I kind of believed that when he gave that hug to Nora, and then we later saw that that was more of a placebo or, you know, seeing her plastic family was a trauma that overwhelmed his magic hug. I don't know, (laughs) but I, I've seen this guy in this episode put in superior performances. So I think that he's got the chops to pull off a convincing Holy Wayne, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but he was acting sort of stagey on purpose to give us a little bit of clue or doubt about whether he himself believes it. But I can't explain the whole Jill thing. I can't explain him not giving uh, Jill a hug. Another piece of point of evidence, Hmm. he hugs his mom after she gets out of jail and she was fucked up in that
0: car afterwards. So if he's got the magic hug, Yeah, so, that's a problem, right? Like, what the hell? There's contradictory evidence. Does he need to believe this hug does something in order for it to do something? Insufficient evidence. Yeah, I feel like there is always contradictory evidence in this show. And again, that's where I'm saying, like,
1: how long can they keep doing this, man? Yeah. Like, I guess as long as it's really well done, they can do it forever. Um, The other thing is, like, what do you think the price is that he alluded to? For this hug, yeah. And also, the subtitles, he said, there's always a price though I thought when I was listening to it that he was doing an impersonation of Holy Wayne saying there's always a price tom. Like in I mean, the way I he pronounced like he has a very precise way of pronouncing Tom. Either way.
0: Um, yeah, I mean I struggle with the idea that there like what was the price for Holy Wayne? Holy Wayne died. died eventually, but he had was that a result of, of the sons? hugs? I mean, is is the price like you will become a famous cult leader and they will try to kill you? Is that the price? Or is the price more emotional? Well,
1: there's a lot of these like... Is the price like... Archaic ju- wasn't he, like, Judeo-Christian traditions, like the concept of a sin eater. Have you heard of that? A sin eater? No. Yeah, I guess this was something they did in Ireland and Scotland and some of the... I, mean, I can imagine where where, where where like when a person died, uh, they would write down a person's sins on a piece of paper... And then a person would literally come in, and it's usually an outcast that would do it for money. He would come in and literally eat the confession, and then the family would beat him and chase him out of the house and drive him into the streets as a way to, like, get rid of that person's sins. And and the thought is that this person is literally taking all these sins, like they're a damned person. So there's that. He could be, by taking on this pain, it's actually get, incurring him a karmic debt that will have to eventually be paid. Here's the other thing. And also the scapegoat Ma- concept, same thing with Judaism. You, you grab a goat, you put all the sins of the tribe on this sure. goat,
0: and then you kill it. Here's the other thing. Maybe Holy Wayne was a fraud. And then by hugging these people, he was taking on their guilt because yeah. he felt guilty about giving them a false hope and the these false assurances. Maybe that's one of the prices he was talking about.
1: Well, and there's also the concept I don't know. of maybe Holy Wayne was an imposter That's or deluded, what I'm saying, yeah. but Tom's the real deal. Yeah, uh, well, like Holy Wayne is John the
0: Baptist, Tom is Jesus Christ. Uh, hmm. I don't, I don't know, because he says he gets his, he got his power from a hug. Which which if it's something that's like a placebo sort of thing, I can understand well, that. Well, but if John the Baptist not...
1: baptized Jesus, that's what opened up the heavens to him, and that's when he had like all
0: of his pre human existence beamed down into his brain and Well, just... the Bible has a little more backstory to its uh spirituality, to its supernaturality.
1: Yeah. We don't know anything about... But here's the thing, like, I know the spiritual advisor is that Reza Aslan guy, who I did a lot of research in this last week, and I found out that he's written a lot about Jesus Christ and the historicity of it. Yeah. So I think that he would know, like, all the different competing Christ myths and... Like, you know, we're pretty familiar with the the one that we get through the Christian mythos, but like sure. there might be some other subtle things about John the Baptist and how he really lived. And like maybe there are parallels between Holy Wayne that we don't know about and he does and he's baking some of that into his advising. I don't know,
0: maybe but
1: so. I'm kind of excited about that because I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. I love Christian mythology.
0: I love the questions that it is raising. The Bible you know? is
1: an absolute fertile ground for a lot of different um things that you Tom can Tom Hanks movies. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, and Dan Brown books. Um, yeah, but no, it's it's a great it's it's like uh you know the the D&D monster manual as far as like you sure. just start reading it like look at all these ideas I have for stories that I could take on and yeah. and, and put them in the real world and it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I just like the the unsure angle that they're taking on all this. Well, and I thought that was reflected in the faces of the ex-guilty remnant. Like you had the one woman who's just sobbing and you can clearly tell she wants that hug right the fuck now. <laughs> and then they cut to the other guy who's a little bit more reserved and skeptical. Yeah. Like really? Like the two sides of the audience. Did I right? just not get out of this whole situation? Uh-huh. Yeah. No. I mean I
0: mean, I can see so many so it's many so little pokes meta at the audience. It's like so in that meta. book scene where they're yes. talking with Lori. Like just explain. Yes lot here like yes what what are the guilty remnant after what are they doing why do they smoke all the questions that the audience has being brought up I, I love that uh speaking of the bible there's something i noticed in this which i think a lot of people probably did but we hear about this david guy in australia through a newscast that's on the tv when tommy david in. burton david burton your ba- pal from, they, they, from the they, last yeah, wave say, I think it's David Burton. Like they get halfway through his name and they shut it off. I, 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 yeah, I'm convinced. But it's it's got to be right Mm -hmm. because he's from Australia Mm -hmm. and uh, apparently he was in a cave and he was dead. He was dead and he came out covered in dingo. By I mean, what does that sound familiar? What does that sound like? It's, it's Jesus Christ. It's Lazarus. I mean, there are a couple of instances, right, of resurrection in a cave. Maybe Jesus, uh, w- maybe
1: the Mormons were only half right. Like Jesus wasn't done when he came to North America. He had to wait a couple thousand, he had to wait uh, a couple thousand years and then come to Australia. All right. To take the, sure. to take the, the, his message to the lawless people, ex-convents
0: so, and felons as uh, so a penal colony of Australia. David Burton is, <laughs> is Jesus. I don't know, the man. Modern day Jesus uh, so I
1: did you read any more about that last wave or the big wave or whatever no, it was? Last wave. Yeah. Someone on Reddit was discussing it authoritatively, and I mm. don't know because I I didn't fact check this, but something about it being tying into dreams being like like dreams are kind of magic that things that you do in dreams can mm. affect the real world. Okay. And the reason I took him at their word is because that sounds a lot like what's going on with Kevin. Oh yeah. Like, he's doing things in his sleep and dreams that are actually, like, he's either sleepwalking or this yeah. is magically being made happen. Um, He's a vessel for something. And also, the idea of, I think that the smarmy book editor, book executive, was talking about this David Burton when he's like that wacko from Australia that thinks he visited the other side and now he can't die. We just talked about the theory of, <laughs> can Kevin not die? Like, hmm. What yeah. are these? You know, are there several of these Axis Mundis scattered throughout the 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 world? Are they actually significant? Are they fake significant? I, I
0: don't know. And we're not supposed to know yet, right? Like, that's the subtlest of, of hints at something going I'm on. I'm still
1: rolling that we might not ever know. Like, yeah. that, that this is, again, uh, how people deal with grief and loss and this. Like, I don't. If you take him at his most literal, you'll never explain the first departure. But if we have a second departure, that's open for explanation. And also sure, sure. ongoing supernatural events could be explained.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, it. the but question ho- is always accompanied by... It, it's always accompanied by the question, is it supernatural Yeah. in this show? And I i don't know. I'm interested. I, I thought the just the way that this episode handles the questions of like, you know, the aftermath of tragic events, the aftermath of being in a cult, I was really hooked by it, given my personal experiences with that stuff.
1: No. And it, again, it's not everybody's cup of tea. That's manifestly um, obvious. But if you are receptive to the wavelength the show is broadcasting on, it's super powerful. Yeah. Like I just I between this and Fargo and even The Walking Dead has been better than it had any right <laughs> for me to expect it to be. Like, I just feel mm-hmm. like I'm it's, it's
0: another TV smorgasbord. Yeah. Uh, the, the one other thing, we, we were talking about music at the very beginning, and I neglected to mention this, but they doubled down on the Pixies mm. this week with yep. the instrumental keyboard, which I'm not sure. Uh, so it links Kevin and Lori here, mm-hmm. right, thematically, with both of them wondering what the fuck is going on. How do I feel? Sure. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Yep. And I thought that was a pretty brilliant stroke.
1: I did too, and I thought that... So Steppenwall said in his review that he, that, that Lindelof, I guess the the review copy was a different piece of music because they were like, I don't oh, know if we yeah. can do double up on the Pixies. But the, I guess it was originally scored with this piano version, like the law, the default, the, the, the leftover version of the Pixie song. Mm-hmm. Then they sent it out to the critics with a different piece of music. And then they're like, you know what? the original choice was better and we'll just go ahead and double down on the pixies. Cause that's what we were going to do before Mr. Robot and all that stuff. And I thought it was beautiful. And, and also like I immediately recognized it, but I don't think yeah. if you're not one of the people listening to podcasts and doing all the crazy research, it just seemed like a very leftoverian piece of, of, of music. Cause they're yeah. all about that, you know, Pretty much. <laughs> Poignant piano bullshit. Um, I have another Easter egg we haven't talked about yet.
0: Okay, what's that? Uh,
1: you mentioned the departure insurance and what pff, kind of bullshit scam that seems like. The yeah. poster that was right outside the office where it had a bunch of dice being rolled and it's like, don't roll the future of your family. The dice spelled out 666, and one of the dice had an impossible configuration. It actually had both of its faces having the six pips on it. Hmm. I don't think this means anything. It's one of those, like I always say. I don't think it means anything, but it's cool to notice it.
0: Evil insurance companies.
1: Well, there was a hint that, like, Holy Wayne was an Antichrist figure. Sure. And and also, Uh we had the Antichrist as one of the alphabets of the departure on the HBO promotional site. So, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) I don't think it has to, but I just think it's cool. Yeah. But it's a deliberate choice because, again, that's an impossible dice configuration. Gotcha. If you have dice with more than one six on it then you're cheating and risk uh uh-huh. and you're going to go to <laughs> board or game hell or you're losing an access. And or allies. you're losing bad <laughs> hard in access and allies uh yeah you know what's better than a fake ass non-effective non-magical hug what's that that make you feel good about yourself no supporting two independent podcasters oh that's very clever uh (laughs) go to club.ballmove.com and not only can you make all this goodness happen not only can you make feel good about yourself supporting uh two guys that that desperately need your support uh but also you get some free stuff you get ad-free podcasts ad-free that's free you get uh video versions of our podcasts you get uh uh, vip access to the forums you get little fun uh Digital only treats like uh, our uh, uh, lunch with Jim and Aaron, mm-hmm. where we get around, we, we we sit around and we talk about whatever comes to mind. And we have Q&A with the audience uh, every week for that. And uh, you also get access to other fun things we do, like our uh, live watches and our uh, uh, our our what do we call that? Silent movies. Yeah, that's a hard one to explain, but it's cool. It's essentially it a game show where we remove the audio from
0: the, the dialogue from a movie. And then we guess what it's about. The
1: other person that hasn't seen it tries to figure out what it's about based on visual clues only. Yeah. It's cool and it's fun. And it's on club.baldmove.com. And again, it's as low as a buck a month. It's worth it just to get my advertising out of your ears. So you don't have to skip. You just skip. Oh, they're still talking. Jesus, skip. Oh, they're still talking. But are they still talking about the ad? I'm not sure. Oh, now I got to back up. No one wants to do that. You can make that go away for a dollar a month. Club.baldmove.com. So shall we get the feedback? Let's do it. If you'd like to give us feedback, two ways to do so, leftovers at baldmove.com and also on forums, forums forums.baldmove.com, where you can talk with our whole community. Tommy A says, there's no way Wayne actually had powers. Have you ever had a hug where you're at your lowest point or even your highest point? It feels euphoric. That's what Wayne did. He distracted these people. He hugged with these hugs and his flair. And maybe there is a bit of a placebo for a time. But I think... After a time, everyone, whether it's people who got hugs or people who left the GR to be, uh, uh, begin to remember,
0: that's when they have problems. So he's yeah, definite so the no real hug theory. I'm with you, and it's interesting that he brings up you know the kind of the wearing off of the hug because we saw that we saw that with Nora, that didn't work for her the forever. Right? But I
1: don't know that that's evidence. So let's say let's say that we take the Jesus myth at its word, and he healed several people. Those okay. people did not live forever. No, of course. Uh, unless it's in, in the bosom of Abraham yeah, It sucks to get
0: leprosy again, though. But
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that's entirely right. possible, that you he you, you cure you of cancer or madness or eternal blood flow or whatever, and then 10 years later, damn it, you get it again, because there's no sunblock. There's no sunscreen, mm-hmm. and there's no retin-A, <laughs> and there's no antivirals. You're just going to get it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think that it wearing off or going away in response to a new trauma it's not like a harry potter type mother sacrificed you to save your life and there's blood magic at work it's more like you know a confession same thing confessions work for the time that you have it and then you have to keep having them (laughs) renewed right Uh like so i don't think it's i i i'm i'm agreeing with the cut of tommy's jib here i'm just saying that that's not necessarily evidence that the hug doesn't work
0: yeah, because if- we've seen it genuinely
1: give people relief. Which you're right; it could be a placebo, it could be just catharsis thing. But
0: well, similarly st- to a confession, a confession is sure essentially a placebo effect, right? Like it relieves you mentally, and if it that's burdens you, yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make your situation any better. It just gives you relief.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is like even if it's fake, it's still significant to know whether Tommy believes it's fake. Sure. And that's the that's the Jill hug, man. It's got me t- torn up. <laughs> Frano says, here's my take on why the federal government may have acted so quickly in making Jardín into Miracle National Park. That's one of the ongoing problems I had with the show. While I agree that it may at first seem strange the government would be lending credence to a supernatural origin for the departure, it does make more sense if you think of it as a way of easing the transition for a deeply disturbed public. We see in the episode that Miracle has become a holy site for people of every religion. I think turning Jarden into a beacon of hope gives the American people a unifying idea to hold on to, potentially preventing some disastrous events like what we saw with the Guilty Remnant. So, sucks
0: to be kept out of it though.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, you know, the it, fact that there is a place, I Giving guess, these people is a nice. beacon of hope that, like, you know, we can study this and make it a national park and preserve it, and that's going to yeah. help us in the future. Friend continues, additionally, by turning it into a national park, it gives the government a reason to have a large presence in the town without appearing like an oppressive force. Hmm. With a huge influx of people coming into the town, it would be necessary to have a presence to control the population. And a group of park rangers is a lot more innocuous than police and riot gear or the National Guard. Sure. They start, you know, rounding you up and razor wire lined, you know, chain link fencing. Yeah. There's anything I learned late. from Fear the Walking Dead. It's already too late. Also, if they're interested in studying the town's relation to the departure, the logistics are in place for them to discreetly insert scientific types like the Australian water collection gentleman okay. uh, to do that un- unobtrusively. I, I like that theory. So it's a cynical ploy on several levels by the federal government. Control the masses, give them some hope. Uh, sure. And also be I able there to have the place locked down. Uh, and be able to study it without raising people's suspicions.
0: Okay. I buy it. And if maybe they're bringing in Australian guys from other... Caves from Perth? Other locations? Yeah, other... uh, What are they called? Caves? No, these nexuses of no disappearances. Axis Mondays? Yes. They're bringing in uh, the Australian Axis Monday guy. Mm. I don't know.
1: I'm I'm super interested to see what john z Riley had to say to that david in australia yeah i because re- they're I connected will, somehow but... mm-hmm. barry c from the uk do you think laurie is regularly running over guilty remnants given that we see her cleaner car at the beginning of the episode and when she ran them over it struck me that this was a regular thing and that was her regular post-murder car wash i agree in this interpretation 100 percent. yeah i think she's especially done a lot. when she says I run. Our, our, I they they don't. I forget exactly the phrase, well, like but she like says in just, the present. They just tense, won't move. Yeah, which someone on her forums interpreted as that maybe this isn't real, like that these are like phantoms in her mind. But I actually mm. think another way to interpret that is that this is a regularly or semi-regular occurrence that she does, and they yes. just keep not jumping out of
0: the way. And I think they play with the timeline a little bit, like. Yes, wondering is she washing her car twice in this episode yes. or once? Mm, I and definitely I, think
1: she's washing it twice.
0: Yeah, I think so. But which, which implies that she is done she it. has hit yep. multiple sets mm-hmm. of a guilty remnant.
1: No, I think that's what the contextual clues seem to imply, and I don't know what yeah. that means because we've obviously seen it's open season on guilty remnant. Like, yeah. I don't think these people go to the police. I don't think they go to the hospital. You just And, and if they did, I don't know that people give a shit. Yeah. So you can – it's – that's another kind of – this shows such a great science fi- science fiction universe. It's like you take one little thing and you change it and see what happens to the world. But yeah, the fact that they're – like, that's hard for us to understand it. there's a class of people that are just – you can openly fuck with and no one will ever – Wait,
0: wait, wait. How is that hard to understand in America?
1: It's just been a while. Okay. Like, even at the height of, I, like, 80s, I, 90s homophobia, yeah. it was always shocking when someone would do something horrific, like drag someone down a road or, or something. Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, you go back a hundred and something years I it, like in our lynching. country's history but th- that shit happened yeah, all the right. time like, and
1: like the way treatment of indians treatment of slaves you're right it's yeah. it's, lo- it's, it's shocking long to modern our sens- past sensibilities. and none
0: of the current generations of the people who would have been perpetrating that stuff then uh-huh. feel it now i guess that's part of our dna but it yeah it is part of this country and so when when someone says i can't believe that there would be a whole class of people treated... No, no, that shit happens. I guess you're right. It is happening today in other places. Yeah. Still. Yep. Like, that. that's real.
1: Nathan P. says, Lori looks 10 times better since giving up smoking and the color white. <laughs> that's true. She's yeah. like, uh, you know, smoke, smoking uh, gives you a little bit of haggard appearance. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll make you look like you're 45 when you're 25. Sure. And I feel... That they've gone far enough that I'm finally starting to feel sympathy for her. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that Lori can come back from everything that happened in season one or is she irredeemable? I would have said that she was irredeemable up until this episode, but Mm -hmm. I immediately was invested in what she was trying to do. Now, part of that is uh, my personal history. Like, it's not... It's it's not been just a single idle day speculation of how could I start (laughs) and like XJW recovery group or what would that even look like? Oh, I've had those thoughts of like go
0: on a mission. what,
1: What would my how would I go about that? And what would the likely outcome be and how much money would it take? So it's like that stuff's all fascinating. And I can relate to a person who got into something with good intentions and then it's like, oh, shit. I've made a terrible, you know, like <laughs> Job. <I've, laughs> oh yeah. I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, So I was impressed by how quickly I came around on it and was interested in what she's doing. I'm now I'm kind of like, I don't know about this bait and switch cult
0: stuff though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hated her the most at the, the lighter stuff from season one. Yeah. I thought that was fucking reprehensible. Oh no. We were like, uh, I hope a wild dog comes and tears her part yeah. right now. Like yeah. we said that. Hated her. Hated her. And now, I, I found myself starting to feel sorry for her until she started running over Guilty Remnant and until this potential cult stuff. I It's complicated. It is. It is a complicated <laughs>
1: relationship. We have with all these
0: characters. Yeah.
1: Because, like, think about Kevin. Kevin does some heinous shit, too. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh Moving on. He also wants to know, apparently, did G- Guilty Remnant burnt down their own homes in the finale rather than the town? Or did I mishear something? What? No. I, yeah. No, I always thought that the Guilty Remnant uh, – the townsfolk set all their houses on fire. Yeah. But it wasn't like the whole town was on fire. It was the Guilty Remnant cul-de-sac. That's what I thought. The GR – Was there something in this KDN. to say that they set their own houses on fire? Uh, there might have been some – This I think this was first last episode. There might have been some, like, talking about uh, with uh, the uh, Sergeant Nicholas yeah. Fury when she was given the, the background on that. It might have been, like, they set their own houses on fire. What – but again, that could just be wrong. I think there was
0: mention of the ploy, but, yes. but that was not the house fire. That was the thing that caused the house fire. Yes. And, and I, my interpretation was the
1: townsfolk showed up and set their houses on fire. Yeah. Because they had an angry pitchforked mob. Yeah. Came in. Sure. All right. Uh, Allison D said, did that drumming during some of Laurie's scenes remind anyone else of Birdman? Have you seen Birdman yet? No. It's on HBO
0: now. It is. I'm going to watch it. It's
1: fantastic. It. And yes. Yes, it did. It uh, definitely did. I'm hmm. I'm on that same same wavelength. In fact, it should, It could have been the ac- exact same song because Maybe. this wasn't something composed for the leftover. It was actually some literally drumming duel between two drummers. Yeah, uh, kind of like you know, devil came down to Georgia only in drum form. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Bilal S says. Bilal? The Yeah, like the devil. I think. <laughs> I think it's Bilal. It's B I L A L. Okay. Bylaw. Bilal. I. Terrible at mm-hmm. pronunciation, so I don't know. Uh I want to touch on the adoption scene in episode two. In the podcast, you both felt as though the caseworker were offering another baby for the Garveys because with the nature of the two percent population disappearance, some children would be left without parents. Yeah, an additional baby. Now, a bonus baby, if you will. <laughs> sure. Now, while I do agree that the foster care system would probably buckle under the weight of a rapture event, I don't necessarily read the scene this way. I felt like the caseworker specified that the other baby was white as if to test the Garvey's. What better way to test the quote-unquote love and quote-unquote fate of the (laughs) situation than Hmm. offering the parents a child that looks like them? Now, Hmm. I started reading this email. I was like, man, this email is fucking cynical as hell. I can't read this shit.
0: In context, it's not impossible. But just wait.
1: But just wait. A child without the elephant in... uh, So essentially, the child without an elephant in the room. Obviously, the Garvey's love Lily, or at least Nora and Jill do, so they passed. The caseworker's test. But sadly, this isn't the case for a lot of couples uh, and families fostering children of color. My long-term boyfriend is a caseworker in Chicago, and many times he's dropped off a black or Latino child from a couple days old to 13 years old to a seemingly loving white couple and family, regardless of sexual orientation, only to pick the child up months, weeks, or days later because a white baby was made available for fostering later. (laughs) Wow. I feel like wow. the only response is to take all children in that circumstance. Like take, take all children? What do you mean? Like who, I who So all here's children? I think this is this would be take repra- the children away from them? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. you get a dog. You you uh, you're wanting a cocker spaniel and you a cocker spaniel's never available and you finally go to the adoption uh, you go to the pound you adopt a mutt. And then 2 weeks later the rescue facility says we got a cocker spaniel. If you take the dog back to the shelter and take this Cocker Spaniel instead, you're kind of an asshole. No, I don't I don't
0: care. Nobody gives a shit about dogs. Yes, you're human beings. Get, just
1: just shut, shut the fuck I up. I don't give shut a shit. Shut the fuck up. I you, don't give a shit about you dogs. You are playing
0: with fire talking shit about care. dogs in this podcast. I don't give All right, a fuck. You are the These minority. are human beings, though. These are human I'm beings. I'm
1: saying that's reprehensible for dogs. So much more for human beings. I can't Is believe repreh- this shit happens. Okay.
0: I'm going I'm to leave this. Damn I don't thing care go. what you
1: think. I'm saying this is how I feel. And I'm saying that the fact that it's beyond yeah. the pale to do it for dogs, let alone human beings. I, I agree with you on the human. Honestly, certainly. it was yeah. shaken by this email. Sure. Uh, the fact that it, that it happens is the that sick. The fact that people yeah. do it, and it's like, I guess
0: it's a thing. Like, you could do that. You can just return a child. I mean, I guess it's, it's no different than putting a kid up for adoption, is it? Okay.
1: The 13-year-old one is the one that really gave me pause. Yeah. Like, you're 13 sure. years old. They know what the fuck is going I find, on. I, I've been through this horrible. shitty foster system in the, in the United States where I've heard horror stories about. I get this family that looks like things are going to be... And then they get a white kid, and suddenly I'm too brown, and I'm back at the foster. Yeah. That will fuck you up, man. Sure. Sure. No, I just... Jesus. Uh, so, that is a lot more... That's, that's, that's a much darker interpretation of... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just thought it was an additional kid. Yeah, because I, there was strain. I, it, on honestly, the system, could go but... either way. But if uh, it'd be like Perota and Lindloft, and be aware of this thing and throw that in there too, just be like, "Here's a white baby." What are you going to say? And yeah. then if they spring at the white baby, then it's like, "Nah, you can't have either." <laughs> That's how I would be anyway. Because right, you're sure. St- I don't know what's wrong with you, but something's wrong Something with you. Something
0: definitely is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jesus. So. uh yeah, that's uh beyond uh, all expectations. This email is the saddest thing about this week of the leftovers for me. All right. So thanks for that Bilal.
0: <laughs> the devil is emailing us. Yeah. Making us sad.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, humans are the real source of evil in this world. Uh so leftovers at baldmove.com and forums.baldmove.com. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end this on a high note?
0: Nope, I'm looking forward
1: to next week though yeah we're finally going to get back around to perhaps new material so and far so good this again this was a lesser show this would have been this could have gone so badly oh yeah getting away like not the rest of the Garveys right away then getting away for the Garveys and going back to Lori, who we hate. yeah bravo <laughs> bravo
0: everybody involved indeed so yeah i'm looking forward to this on sunday and that's it all right we'll cool s- well we'll be back next week with another episode and until then i'm jim i'm aaron see you